from the number one best-selling author of Life Rescripted. You're now tuning in to the Year of Purpose podcast. I'm Zephan Moses Blacksburg. Zephan Blacksburg here, and today I'm joined by a very unique person that I'm excited to talk to. As the head of engagement officer with Simon Sinek's team at Start With Why, Stephen Shedletsky serves and supports those inspired by the movement to inspire and live in service to others. In his engaging and dynamic style, Stephen speaks, leads workshops, consults, and coaches to help leaders and organizers discover, articulate, and live their why, their driving purpose, cause, or belief. He also co-hosts and co-produces the Start With Why podcast, downloaded in over 150 countries, and he's worked with leaders internationally with clients from the Business Development Bank of Canada, the Ontario Provincial Police, Rutgers University, Travel Alberta, Kimpton Hotels and Restaurants, and the Toronto Management Exchange. And today he's joining us, and thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Zevin. So I wanted to bring you on today because we've got a lot of great speakers with the summit where we talk about things like how to run a better business or how to you know, have a better mindset and things of that nature. But we haven't had as many people talk about you know, finding your purpose. There's all these blog posts out there of you know, five steps to finding your purpose or you know, how to wake up tomorrow and know what to do with the rest of your life. And as you and I both know, that's not exactly how it works. So I'd love to kind of go back to uh, you know, you and I were talking a little bit before the call of how people can go about, you know, searching for their purpose and how to really find it without this whole, you know, five steps nonsense. Yeah. Well, the uh, five steps or seven steps or however they're they're packaged may make sense. Um, the biggest thing is to actually use them and, and act upon them. Um, what what we know and 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 our approach. I mean, we didn't invent purpose. I mean, Simon created a. Uh, discovered a concept, Simon Sinek, who I work with, discovered a concept about nine, ten years ago called the Golden Circle. And we call purpose our why. What's your why? Um, and it's not uh, to make profit, that's a result or an outcome. Our why is the cause, purpose, or belief um, that, that drives and inspires you. And every single one of us has a why, and it's all based upon our experiences. So if you look upon your past experiences, and by the way, you can't really do this on your own because we can't be objective by our own. You know, you can't look in the mirror and go, Zephan, you know, what's my why? You'll go like, shut up, you know? <laughs> we've, we've, we've got to work with other human beings who can be objective with us. And really, it's a, it's, there's, there's a couple of things at work. I can share a couple of neat, neat processes that people can go through. One is like literally take out a sheet of paper and draw peaks and valleys, just up and down, up and down across the entire paper. And on those peaks and on those valleys, write the specific experiences in your life from your earliest, earliest childhood memories to like five minutes ago that have been peak experiences, like five out of five. If every experience and every day could be like this, like, wow, what a life. Like, what are those experiences? Or even who, have the, who are the people that have, you know, if it weren't for them, you wouldn't be the person that you are today. Mentors, teachers, parents, friends, whoever that might be. Someone that you admire. And then, you know, what is it that you admire about them? And then is there a specific experience where they served you or helped you or where you experienced what it is that you admire about them? Similarly, you can look to negative experiences of when have you been in the lowest of, of the lows, the darkest periods. And this isn't therapy and this isn't dwelling and trying to understand why you didn't get on the bike and ride the bike when you were five years old. No. It's about, um, you know, you can look at the negative experiences and then look at the opposite feeling. 
So if you felt abandoned, then it's you want to feel like you belong, right? We can look at the antithesis of what that experience is. And then it's a simple process of working with a partner who can be objective and point, who point out the consistent themes and patterns that exist across all of those experiences. And they share back and mirror back to you that, like, here are the things that you said that had consistently show up um, and that seem to resonate to you, have a lot of energy. Like, when you connect with people in, in meaningful ways, that kept coming up. There's a theme there. Yeah, I love doing that. So you get all these themes out, and chances are one of the themes stick out, and that's the why, right? There's just a theme that's more consistent, has more oomph or energy around it, and that's your why. Um, our why has two pieces to it, uh, the contribution and the impact. So the way that we um, format why statements is to your contribution so that impact. And your contribution is the thing that you do. Frankly, it's the thing that you can't not do. It's your default settings. It's just who you are and what you love doing. Um, and the impact is the impact that you wish to have upon others and the world around you, how you wish the world to be. Um, so, for example, my why is to engage people in meaningful ways so that we live in a more fulfilled world. Um, and one other neat way, which I'll share quickly, that you can get to your why is something that we call the friends exercise. Uh, and we actually have a, a free download of this on our site. And you make a list of, you know, one, two, three, five of your best friends, like people that you could call in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. and they pick up the phone and go, what's the matter? Like, are you okay? And you do the same for them, like those type of friends. Um, not talking about Facebook friends, I'm talking about friends, friends. And, um, and you ask them, you're like, hey, I'm trying to figure out who I am at my best and when I'm driven and, and, you know, really going on all cylinders and like loving what I do. Can you help me out with that? And they go, of course. You go, great. You ask them, why are you friends with me? And they go, what? You, like, you got to be kidding. You're like, no, like, why are you friends with me? And they're like, okay. And they're like, well, I don't know. Like, I've known you for so long. We have so much fun together. Oh, my God, you're so beautiful. You know, like, all the standard stuff. And you go, great. You've adequately defined what it means to be a friend. And then you switch it. You say, what about me? And you let them struggle. And there's silence, and maybe they get emotional, and maybe they start telling a story of when you helped them out in that time when no one else was there for them and they were terrified. Or they talk about, you know, how you consistently, you know, show the, the, the positive of every situation. In other words, they stop describing you, and they begin to describe the impact that you have on them. And that is your why. So I, thinking about what you're saying here, and what it sounds like to me is that your why can't happen unless you're giving something out to the world, correct? Like, it, it really cannot be a selfish thing. Sure. I, I mean, the, the why, it, it, it's actually boast, boast. It's actually both um, selfish and selfless because it's the thing that we most love to give and it's also the thing that we most love to receive. So it, it does, um, it all is about service and giving to others, but we need balance. Um, we need to receive it as well. So, like, if I'm not feeling engaged or fulfilled, you know, I'm not going to be very energetic. I might be depressed. But the, the irony of it is I feel most engaged and fulfilled when I'm engaging and fulfilling others. Mm. Yet I still need to feel like I'm supported in an environment where I'm engaged and fulfilled. And so, yeah, it, it is about serving others. Um, but it's, it's both selfless in that service aspect and selfish because it feels great. You know, you live in the world you want to live in, and, and you feel fulfilled. 
Um, and fulfillment is always about service, but it makes you feel full and, and like you, you have a life full of meaning. Yeah. And so basically, if I have discovered what I believe to be my why, you know, obviously it takes a little bit of testing and playing around with, you mm -hmm. know, where do I go when I find this thing and I have this concept of like, you know, maybe this is it, but it, you know, like most people, when they make a product or a service and it's a brand new business, they mm -hmm test it they take it to market see what happens what people liked about it what they didn't like you know how can we go about testing this to figure out whether or not this is you know what i should do or if i had to go back to the drawing board yeah well you've sort of answered your own question in, in some respects is is you take it to market but it isn't about you know do you like it it's about um do do i like it like do you like it yourself and so if you think you're like, okay, that's the ballpark of it, even if the language isn't perfect, you likely know, remember that peak and valley exercise, you likely know the times when you're like, yeah, like I loved that. I was living it there. I can't even necessarily put it into perfect words, but like that was it. So it's like, great, take that, take the essence of whatever that is and use it, put it into action today. Find a way that you can live it, find a way that you can create that experience for yourself and others, whether it's a best friend, um, someone you work with, a stranger on the bus, whoever. Um, but take that and put it in, in, into action. Um, the, the greatest barometer is your own intuition, um, is whether it is right, whether it feels right. But it's, it's you know, this stuff, it, it's counter to the way that we're hardwired. So if you look at Simon's concept of, of the golden circle, it's three rings, like a bullseye. On the very outside is what. So everyone knows what they do. Whether you're an individual or an organization, you know the products or services you offer, your job title. Um, most people in most organizations know how, which are your strengths, your guiding principles, your, your, your unique selling proposition, your, your IP. It's the things that you think you do different or better that sets you apart from others, from the competition. And, and then there's why, which is that cause, purpose in, in the middle. But the thing that's really interesting is the way that uh, concept relates to our biology. So if you look at the cross-section of our brain, if you look at our brain, if you cut down the middle and you look at the side of our brain, our brain correspond to this concept called the golden circle. Mm -hmm. And the very outside of our brain is the what, which is, relates to the neocortex. Neo meaning new, it's our new homo sapien brain. Gives us tons of information to be intellectual species, you know, rational thinking, analytical, all of our language. Um, it, it allows us to be intellectuals, smart, you know, higher order thinkers. The inside of our brain called the limbic system relates to the how and why parts uh, of the golden circle. And the limbic system, as with the how and why, is responsible for all of our human behavior, feelings, emotions, um, and all of our decision making. And the best part is it has no capacity for language. Which is why, you know, if you're, if you're married or have a partner and I say, why do you love your partner? You go, I don't know. <laughs> like, really? This is the person you've committed your life to and you don't know? And you start to rationalize. I have so much fun with them. They've been there for me when I've need, needed them most. I trust them. They're like my best friend. They're beautiful. Wow, you've just described the same thing as a golden retriever. Like, no difference, <laughs> right? Um, uh, you even say stuff trying to rationalize your feelings for this person, they complete me. What the hell does that mean, right? Or I, I'm following my heart or trusting my gut. 
Like they complete you. Like what? You have a left arm and a left leg and they have a right arm and a right leg and together you're one? Like no. Like what you're saying is they provide something for you emotionally, safety, belonging. That's what it is, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so the, the, back to this question of what do you do if you think you found it is you test it. You go on an airplane and someone says, so what do you do? But you know that people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. So you try to start with your why. And you go, well, um, I work for an organization that creates more fulfilling places to work. Um, and everything I do, I love engaging people in meaningful ways. And a couple of things will happen. They'll either go, what? Tell me more. Or they'll go like, oh, so you're a motivational speaker? And you're like, yeah, sure, bye. <laughs> right? You'll either know if they, if they believe what you believe and, 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 you're, and they're interested and you can have a deep conversation. Um, or... Uh, they just care about how much money you make or the clients that you have. In other words, they don't believe what you believe, and you can just say, I'm a communications consultant, bye. Yeah. Unless you want to try to, you know, enter into that conversation and try to prove them that what you do is valid. Have fun with that. And so it, it's testing it. It's putting it out there. Um, the why is simply an idea. And so um, if you build uh, symbols around it, so, you know, we, we carry around these tokens of inspiration that we hand out to people and they inspire us to remind them of what inspires them. Um, Simon on our team, uh, our founder, is inspired by flight. So he has, a, you know, model airplanes, a, a belt from the U.S. Air Force, even though he's a civilian and he shouldn't. But, we, you know, <laughs> surround yourself with tangible symbols, you know, what's, what's that, that, that resemble or tangible proof of what you believe. And then people will ask you about them, like, hey, you have orange shoelaces. What's up with that? Well, I believe in a brighter world, and orange is the color of optimism. So I have orange shoelaces. Cool. Shows what I believe. Yeah, that's a that's a really cool way to, to kind of show it, because I'm thinking about this whole, you know, the why is so deep-rooted in our brain, and that's why it's something that we really can't pull out linguistically. Mm -hmm. um, we, we, we can, it just takes time and work with others. Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask is, is there a way that we could better, uh, you know, pull these, these ideas and thoughts out, at least in words? Because I know that I often do the same thing. You know, if you were to go and ask me what I like about you, I'd say, well, he's really great at holding a conversation. And it's like, well, yeah, so can my dog if the mailman's outside, right? Like, yeah, yeah. But this, so this is the value of working with a, with a partner, is, is a partner will literally say, okay, tell me a time, a story, a specific story where you felt like you know, you're on top of the world, like life couldn't get any better. And you tell me the story of you were climbing a mountain with your friend and you made it above the clouds and it, you know. And I go, great, what about that is, stands out to you? What about that is important? And you're like, well, I love overcoming insurmountable odds. I love... Um, once, when, when we do something that shouldn't be done or that people don't think should be done, well, we do it anyway. You know, I love that. It's like, wow, cool. And I, then we talk about a different story. And you're talking about some client story where a client came to you and they're like, everyone said that we, this couldn't be done and someone recommended you. And so here's what we want to do. We want to create an app that, you know, or we want to create a, I, my, my wife just came up with this idea over the weekend. We want to create a barbecue that has a glass window so that you can look in and see how the meat is cooking or whatever is cooking without having to open the heat source. I'm like, that's genius. Like who didn't <laughs> right? come up with that? The toaster oven does that. Why can't sure, we do that with a grill? Sure, right? So, so, you know, whatever, something that is impossible. And then there's another consistent theme of, okay, cool. And what you do is, is, is 
a good partner just mirrors back. So one, they ask open-ended, objective questions. They seek to understand. They listen to the words that you're saying and also to the words that you're not saying. They ask questions that, that, that uh, just like, what's important about that? Hey, you say happy. What does happy mean to you in this circumstance? And they just get sound bites of things that you say that they, they, they then repeat back to you of here are the things that you said. And the, the irony is you won't be able to see it because you're in it. It's your limbic system trying to connect to your neocortex and come up with language that does justice to the feelings that you have. Um, but then other things like, you know, when you create a, a company logo or you choose your company colors, like each color stands for, for something. I think it's called pentatone or pentone colors. Like when you're designing a brand, each color represents, you know, an emotion. Like red is, is action and aggression. Green is progress and fresh and new. Purple is, is regal and royal, you know, and, and, and dignity. So, so figure out what it is that you stand for as an organization, um, which hopefully is, you know, either an individual or a group of people with a common set of values and beliefs and design something that exemplifies what it is that you believe. Like our, our company logo is an orange flame, right? That would make sense. Yeah, no, that, that absolutely makes perfect sense. So let's assume that I've figured out something that I, I thoroughly enjoy doing. I've talked this over with somebody. And I guess the question that's on everyone's mind is how do I go about turning a profit from it? You know, because a lot of people uh, are settling for a job because they don't think that they can make a profit off of the thing that they really love doing. Sure, sure. So a, a, a couple of things. I mean, um, one, what's beautiful about discovering the why is there are, there are endless ways that you can bring that why to life, right? You know, think of Richard Branson or, or Bill Gates, you know. Um, Bill Gates is all about creating platforms that enable others to achieve their full human potential. And he's done it, you know, with, with Microsoft and he's done it with the Bill and, and Melinda Gates Foundation, right? So different what's that bring his why to life. Um, and Richard Branson, like how many companies do they have? Probably over 300 at this point. A tons. Right? And, and from the outside in, it's like you have no idea what you're doing. Like no conceivable pattern or business model here. But there is. It's their why, right? Their why is, is something around, in his, his own words, it's something around, you know, to, to make a positive impact on millions of people and have fun while doing it, Right? That's cool. Imagine the endless possibilities of things you can do with to have fun while impacting the lives of millions of people. Like, cool. Sure, we'll go into trains. Sure, we'll go into, into space travel. Music, of course. Airlines, absolutely. Why wouldn't we? What's interesting about Virgin is they, they're only successful when they go into industries that are no fun anymore. They tried doing soda, and they sucked at soda because it's already fun. But airlines, oh man, that needs a facelift, and they did it. So um, your your question in terms of you know how do you balance making a profit in terms of you know bringing your your, your water life? I mean, one, there are endless ways in which you can bring your your water life. Um, I believe work life balance isn't a number. Work life balance is a feeling, and it's a feeling that you love who you can be at work and you love who you can be at home. So chances are, once you find their why, your why. There are ways that you can implement it in your day-to-day -day life and job right now. Even if you hate your job, you can find a way to love it, right? If, if your why is around, you know, getting the most out of life, 
help the people around you get the most out of life, and then you'll get the most out of life, right? Um, and in terms of, you know, like, how do you take the leap of starting your own thing? It's, there are, there are endless ways you, you can do it. You can just jump into the deep end and figure it out. Um, you can go hybrid, which is what I did, where I was still employed, but I started doing the things that I loved. And I started doing leadership coaching and helping people find more fulfillment in their lives and careers and realize that, uh-oh, I need to find, I need to walk what, I, what I'm talking I was helping others, you know, live boldly and and uh, and do things that engage and fulfill them, and I wasn't doing it for myself. So I'm like, all right, I have no choice, but I have to. Um, and the thing is, is that, you know, Jim Jim Carrey said it best. He gave a keynote commencement speech at the Maharajan University in in India, I believe, and he said his dad is funnier than he, than he is. Can you imagine that? Someone funnier than Jim Carrey? Yeah. And he said his dad is funnier than him. And his dad chose the option of becoming an accountant, secure, predictable, which is fine. And he hated it. His dad hated that job. And he got let go. And I think Jim was 14 years old when his dad got let go. You know, middle-aged, not easy to find a, you know, another job or, or career path. And Jim realized at a very young age that you can fail at doing what you hate. So you might as well try doing what you love. And so I'm a wholehearted believer. You know, when I left the, the corporate path because it was a, a ladder I'd didn't want to climb. I looked at the people who were senior to me and went, I don't really want their lives. I, I don't want to climb this ladder. So I'd rather figure out the ladder that I want to climb. And so I just did things because I, I wanted to. I did things because I knew it was the impact that I wanted to have on others. And it takes patience. And if you're doing it for the right reasons, it will come around. But it took me about three years of like, you know, fortunately living in in my parents' basement, you know, in, in you know, quote-unquote poverty because I wasn't making above the income in terms of the poverty line, but I had a roof over my head and enough food and things were great. And in, in that respect, my basic needs were met. But I, I was putting in the hard work and the patience to say yes to the things that I wanted to do and no to the things that I didn't want to do, which sometimes um, took some, some experience of doing things that I thought I wanted to do or, ooh, I can make some money this way. No, not what I want to do. But it's patience. It's patience. Um, and you, you, you don't have to jump off the deep end, and you can. Um, and you can go hybrid. Um, but yeah, like build some accountabilities of people around you who hold you to that standard of, of, uh, of, yeah, of, of reaching your best life, which is how can you take what you're so good at and give it to others? Yeah, I mean, I was somebody who definitely jumped off the deep end in... I, I don't know if maybe I didn't think things through. I mean, I don't regret doing it, but it was more of one of those taking Jim Carrey's idea on that in that, you know, I could fail at this. And, and I knew that because my first job out of college, I had held for a little over a year and then got a pink slip. So I knew that failure is totally an option and it could be completely outside of my control. Yeah. And, you know, and after that, I had been working in in the corporate world for corporate retail. So that's where I was when I did leave and start my business. And so kind of looking back and realizing, OK, you know, I already did this once and in a small business with 20, 30 employees and it it had the potential for failure. Yeah, I could get stuck in the corporate world here and still have the same potential for for failure. So at the end of the day, it's like. Yeah, I am a little bit afraid. Yeah, I do have some anxiety about this, but 
I almost can't give myself a choice because failure is always an option. And I feel like it's just a matter of, you know, are you going to choose it or are you going to just keep going? Because yeah. it's not really failure if you just get back up and, and try something else. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because people will say like, oh, my God, you were so courageous for going out on your own. But when you were in it and when you did it, there was no other choice. It's like, I have to do this. You, you, were, you had conviction that like, this is what I have to do. And so looking back, maybe you, you can say it was courageous, but like, no, you just had to do it. Um, the, a couple of funny things. I'll, I'll share um, why this makes, like why it's hard, why fear is hard. Um, and then a, a really interesting study that I think relates well both to yours and, and both to our stories because we're, we're relatively younger guys. Um, so one, you know, our, our, we haven't evolved as a species in terms of our biology. So when you think of us thousands of, of years ago, we lived in caves and in tribes of 100 and 150 people. And if there was danger, our life was at risk. Like we were going to die. And so if we feel danger, like if I leave this job, I'll have no money and thus I'll die. Like that's where we go. We still think that there's a saber-toothed tiger behind our back that's going to eat us. And so this is why we, we get paralyzed by fear because if we think that if we do these things, we will die. But we won't. We'll be fine. If you make no income for the next five years, it's okay. You have family and friends will take you in. Like you're not going to die. Things are going to be okay. And so I, I think a, a, a reminder for the vast majority of us who, who, who live in the, in the developed world, and sure there are people um, who, who are suffering and, and, and who, who might die if they don't get the certain basic needs met. But for the most of us, our basic needs are fine. Food, shelter, water, we're okay. And so you've got those covered. Now what, what can you do? Just like reminding yourself that I'm not going to die if I don't make a paycheck next week, you know? And then you live, with, live with, with, within your means. You don't put those golden, those velvet handcuffs on. You, you figure it out um, such that you can be proud of, of, of the life and the career that you've led. Um, something else that I think is so valuable, especially for young people, there's been a 40-year long study done out of Harvard MBA grads looking at their career satisfaction as a function of time as, as their careers go on. And two different populations emerged. There was the population of um, the ones who got the jobs, like got recruited, the top consulting, finance, accounting, industry, all those amazing jobs. Um, and their career satisfaction started fairly high but it plateaued. It didn't go any higher. And then after about five years, it plummets down. Called your quarter life or midlife crisis, whatever. The second population were the misfits, people like you and me, people who maybe they started with a job that they got out of school and, and it was a successful, good, reputable job, but they hated it. Um, or maybe people who didn't find jobs and were misfits from the beginning and were trying to figure out, like, I don't want to do any of that stuff. I either don't have a good enough marks or I don't care. And, you, and, and the career satisfaction of those people, you and I, for the first five years was quite low. I know I was lost. I know I was trying to figure it out. I knew that I knew what I wanted to do, but I wasn't doing it. So there was that gap. But after five years, the career satisfaction shoots up hmm. because we've under, we understand what we care about, what we value, what our beliefs are. And bit by bit, we surround ourselves by people who can help us bring that to life. And after those five years, like it's happened to me. I'm surrounded by people who believe what I believe and who want to see that I'm successful. 
and I've and I've and and that second population reaches exponential growth in terms of career satisfaction. I think that's worth it. I'd rather suffer in my twenties so that I can thrive later in life. Absolutely. Right? I mean, I am almost five years out of college, so I'm curious to see what like you know the next twelve months has in store. I graduated. December of 2010. So we've got about, you know, five or so months here to go to see what happens. And uh, I think that, you know, I'm exactly in that misfit category where, you know, things are probably going to shoot through the roof over the next couple of years and really curious to see where that goes. Um, at the same time, I mean, I, I have felt that sort of dissatisfaction over the last few years of not necessarily, not necessarily like upset with where I am, but more of like, you know, that you're like on the path there, but you're not yeah, there yet. Not so there. you want to yeah. kind of, you know, you want that confirmation. Cause I think that, uh, nobody has a certain moment right away where they turn around. They're like, Oh, okay. Everything just clicked into place. My life is exactly what I wanted now. But you know, five years out, you can kind of look back and be like, Oh, wow. Like those things that really kind of sucked for a while led to something amazing. And now I can kind of look back and realize how far I've traveled. Yeah. Well, you, you still, you still have to earn your keep. You've got to work hard. You can't just go like, okay, now I'm going to sit back in the next 12 months. Like I've done my five years. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. But it, you know, in the end, we're still tangible species. And the way that we measure our success in our society today is largely through number of clients, number of engagements, income, how much money I'm making. And those are, those may be outcomes that you're successful or the work you're doing is of value, but they're not the be all and, and end all, right? What it is, is you're doing work that aligns with what you care about and what you want to be doing. And it matches to your personality and strengths, right? And you're surrounded by the right people who amplify your strengths and, and make up for your weaknesses. Like that's what it's all about, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, one of the things that I remember I did when, you know, like I knew step 10, like I knew where I wanted to go. I knew what it looked like. I knew what it felt like, but I was at step like two and I had no idea what steps three through nine were. And so I got into that place of like, like I know what I want and I'm not there. Yeah. Um, but I'm, ha I'm meeting all these amazing people and I'm doing all this amazing work and I'm not necessarily being compensated as much or, I'm being compensated, but I'm not doing enough, you know, quantity to to it for me to be successful. I started writing myself weekly paychecks, hmm. where I'd print out a check, uh, like I'd ma I made one, and then I wrote down all of the things that happened this week that added value to my life, or that I added value to others. And I'd literally write a paycheck of like had a conversation with, with, with Zephyr. It went great, you know, served him and, and, and his audience. Wonderful. So maybe I didn't make 20,000 bucks this month or this week or whatever, but I still contributed and I contributed in a way that's aligned with what I want to do. Cool. Making progress towards my vision. Good. You know? And, uh, and yeah, I mean, the other thing is you point back like, oh, you look how far you've come. The beauty of our why, though, is it's like a pair of shoes that we never quite grow into, ever. Mm -hmm. As soon as we do more, or accomplish more, or reach more, all of a sudden your shoes get bigger. Right. Right? Um, and that's the beauty of it. Our, our why isn't an end state. Our why is an idea, and we can continue to contribute towards it until our final day. And even, even cooler is, is we can give those shoes to someone else. We can leave a legacy.
Um, you know, we don't have to give it to our kids and be like, do what I did. But you can, you can do work that matters, that others will remember, that they will strive to, to live up to as well. Think of the impact Martin Luther King has had because he has a legacy. He's left us with a pair of shoes to fill that, by the way, we'll never fill because there's always more that we can do to create a more just and, and equitable world. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I that's think probably that's one of the greatest honors is that you have this ability to to leave something behind. You know, it, somebody like, you know, Jim Carrey's father, an accountant, doesn't have much to leave behind. I mean, maybe some clients or somebody wants to take over the business, but it's it's not the same as, you know, a long lasting change in the world that yeah. uh, has this domino effect. Yeah, well, he's he's had an, an impact on Jim and I'm sure many others. I heard a story where, Rodney Dangerfield and Jim Carrey's dad got along real well. But to your point, the impact could have been bigger. Yeah. Right? And, and, and you, you could have done more. You know, I think to be remembered is a little ego-driven because, like, so what? You're dead. <laughs> you know, if you believe in the afterlife, cool. But, like, you're dead, like, whether you're remembered or not. But are you, are you remembered for something that matters, that then gives others more meaning and drive and purpose to accomplish more, to improve the world and, and, and the human condition. I think this has been a really great conversation so far. And I think the best way to round this off is for me to ask, you know, if somebody wants to leave that impact, what would you say is the number one thing they could do to, to really make their mark on the world as opposed to just their own life? Yeah, well, we, we, we think that, you know, leadership is this big thing but it's not. Um, you know, if you make one right or one big decision, that could be luck or chance. Leadership and success is not in doing it once, it's doing it over and over and over and over again. And so it's little things. Like yesterday, I played baseball, and at the end of the game, the dugout was filthy, so I picked up a few water bottles. Not so that others could see me, just because I knew it was the right thing. I felt good about it. Right? It's if you finish the, the, the coffee carafe at the office, make the, make the next one. Right? It's like um, integrity is doing the right thing even when no one's looking. It's open the door for that person that you know, and they run, oh, thank you so much. Right? Or you hold the elevator door open as opposed to going, oh, sorry, you know, I'm late for my meeting. Leadership are, are little acts of service that it becomes a habit such that you know, we look to serve others as opposed to always serving ourselves. I mean, this is the way that, that will have an impact. And our generation, you know, there's only one Mother Teresa. There's only one Nelson Mandela. I mean, I don't do what I do so that I could be famous or so that I could be a marquee name of a leader. I, I, I do it just because I want to live in a better world. And when we show up and serve the people around us, the people around us are more likely to serve the people around them. And then we'll live in a better world. This is how impact happens, right? There are studies that show that when you do an act of service, you help the person. They're now more likely to help someone else because someone has helped them. Even better, if someone witnesses that act of service, they are more likely to help someone else. Hmm. So really quickly, I was at the, I was at the bank. I walked in a son, I'm assuming, and his elderly mother who was walking out of the bank. She had a cane. He went to get the car. She got into the car as, as he pulled it up. I finished my banking. I walked out. And I noticed that the, her passenger door was wide open. Her cane was next to her right leg. 
and the son was still in the driver's seat. He wasn't that good of a son. <laughs> and, I, and I realized that, that the, this, old, this elderly woman, if she reached out to close the door, she might actually fall out of the car. And so I was literally walking by. I could have pulled out my phone. I could have looked at my bank statement. I could have kept my head down or ignored the situation. But I just said, hey, can I close the door for you? And they said, oh, my God, thank you so much. And I closed it. Felt like a million bucks. Yeah, absolutely. Even better. So those two, some random stranger did something good for them. They're maybe a little bit more willing. At the very least, they have more oxytocin, that feel-good service um, neurochemical in their veins. It makes them healthier, higher immune system. Same with me. We have to keep doing it for the effects of that oxytocin to be seen and to be felt. Even better, as I was walking back to the parking lot, someone had saw, had saw what I did. And they gave me eye contact, smiled, nodded, and said, cool, nice, right? So there's a ripple. They're now more likely, because they witnessed an act of service, to do something good for someone else. That's how we can have a ripple effect. That's how we can change the world, is if enough of us show up to help the people to the left of us and help the people to the right of us, whether they're our family uh, at home or at work, um, uh, our friends or complete strangers. And that's so, the world I want to live in. So I guess at this point, we really just have no excuse, but we have to go there and go out there and do and show up in the world. It, it's how we're biologically wired, except we're also biologically wired to live in small communities. We're biologically wired to live in tribes of 100 or 150. That's mm. That's the origin of our species. And so we live in a world of 7 billion people. That's unfathomable. We, we, we can't equate it, right? Yeah. But what we can do is focus on the people around us, right? Um, we live in an abstract world. So to change the world, I don't know how. All I know how to do is to change the world of the people around me. And hopefully they'll change the world of the people around them and so on and so forth. That's how we can have an impact. I, I'm so excited to, to see more people do that and, you know, just to take your advice on that. Uh, what's the best way for people to keep track of you and, you know, when you're speaking? And I know you guys have an awesome podcast. What are some website URLs for that? Yeah. Leaders go first, by the way, right? Like, I'm excited to, to live in that world and you have every opportunity to be the first to create that world, right? That's what leaders do. Yeah. Um, uh, if people want to connect, uh, I communicate in 140 characters or less on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Steve Shed, and you can find all sorts of um, tools, resources, and ideas to inspire, including our Start With Why podcast uh, and a number of resources, the Friends exercise, uh, at startwithywhy.com. Awesome. So if people go to startwithwhy.com, they can actually, is it a download, like a PDF download? Yeah, there are a number of tools. So the, the Friends exercise is a free PDF download. We also have an online why discovery course that takes you through Simon's process of discovering your why. And by the way, you have to work with a, with a partner. Um, and if you go to startwithwhy.com forward slash podcast, there are a bunch of podcasts that help both why discovery and how do you live um, these concepts that we espouse. As well, all of our speaking engagements are on um, the website as well, Simon's and mine and, and our entire team's. Awesome. Well, thanks for spending some time with me today, and we'll definitely be uh, we'll be keeping in touch. Likewise, yeah. I hope this helps. Hey, everyone. It's Zeph. Did you like this episode? Be sure to subscribe so that you can tune in next week and tell a friend about the show. If you want access to free training and exclusive interviews on success, happiness, lifestyle design, and adventure, visit me at yearofpurpose.com. Until next time, go out and let life surprise you so that you can live a life rescripted. scripted